0: The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with
1: Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Dave Gillam is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from daffodils, Japanese maple trees and tulips. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on within the garden, plus Plant of the Week. Not forgetting, of course, events around the county. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Chris in Braintree. Hello, Chris. What you got for us today? Uh, Well, I'm inquiring
2: about um, a rose which has kind of gone feral. It's in me poor old mum's garden. She's not too steady on her feet and she can't see to it. Um, and I'm just wondering, um, what's, the way, best, what's the best way to, to deal with it? Because it's just gone so long and straggly. It's been there for years. It's it's really in a terrible state.
1: <laughs> is it? A cli- um, I take it it's a climber or, or a rambler then, or is it a bush?
2: Um, well, it's it's um, it's hard to say because <laughs> it's, 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 it's to, to give you an idea, it's um, it's probably stands about six foot tall. Um, and it's uh, sort of sprouting with various different
1: kind of growth <laughs> sounds of like branches. A, sounds like a bush yeah. to me, doesn't it, Dave? Yeah, yeah what it's would just a bush. On there? What would you, I know what pruned. they do with it, so yeah. on, Dave, what would you do with get it? Get
3: your loppers out, <laughs> Yeah, and, and really you can just take them hard down, um, even in some of the old wood, um, and you'll get some new growth once. How that, low would you go on something that Probably go a couple of foot, just to yeah. sort of... Um, i'll probably go a bit harder myself but recommend <laughs> we don't want to kill them <laughs> no no but a couple of foot uh, and see where it grows what you'll find is you'll probably get a lot of new shoots coming out here there and everywhere and a bit later on you can actually then thin those out if they're going to be crossing over each other or getting in the way but yeah just just really set to it and now's a good time to do it
2: all uh, right yeah because i was wasn't sure because it's kind of uh,
1: got lots of leaves on it now so no, that's all right yeah no, that's worry. fine. They all, they simply well,
3: start early. This no, All that they? will
1: happen is the flowers will be less and later. Yeah,
3: but your plant right. will stand up and be in control.
1: Okay. Because, you know, it's, it's quite woody to a,
2: to a that's height of, right. I don't know, about a couple of foot, you know. That'll be fine. Doesn't matter. So, so, so how how far back should we sort of um, two foot. drop
3: it? Two, two foot up from the
1: floor. Two, two foot from the ground? Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. And when you well, do it nice and, clear. and just what you said is yes it'll look woody yes you'll think how the thickens, can anything grow from that you'll be amazed. Okay, oh, right. Well
2: that sounds like nice clear advice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's Chris from Brainship who's given us a call on 0800 111 4041 Beverly and Canuden. Hello Beverly.
0: Hello Ken. Hello Dave. Hello. Um, I've got a problem with daffodil leaves um the he- heavy wind and the frost seems to have killed the top uh sort of 2 inches of the leaves um the the daffodils also seem to be blind have had no no daffodils at all but loads
4: and loads and loads of leaf. Of
1: leaf. Yeah. The blindness was a lot of that was due to last summer, wasn't it, Yeah, it was Dave? last last, year been, last summer. I'd just like to introduce Dave as a bit of a daily, a bit a daily expert, but also a bit of an expert on daffodils narcissus, because you now exhibit them,
5: don't yeah. you? Yeah.
3: Right. Um, normally, flowers, no flowers this year, is as a result of last year. Um, it got very hot, very dry, very quickly. Um, and the bulbs just didn't really build up big enough um, to develop the flower buds for this year I I think you'll find the the yellowing on the tips of of the leaves is probably dryness Um, daffodils love
1: water they absolutely love it not sitting in it but like water to drink draining through
0: I I do uh, water quite a bit because all my garden is in tubs and troughs um, and what have you so i do water a lot mm. so that that wouldn't apply that that they would thirsty um i've kept the ground damp all the time
3: yeah i mean i know um, when i'm growing them i'm probably putting filling the pots up an inch of water every day um yeah. To sort of it's a bigger thing but generally they're gonna they sound like if they're not flowering they're hungry they need more water when they're dying down. So a liquid least, feed as well. Yeah, something like a tomato food, anything that's high in potash. They, they yes. love potash. It's the only way that you'll get some of those to flower next year. Have they well, been in I've, the pots for long? I've
0: watered everything with uh, seaweed um, plant food.
3: Yeah, you uh, need a potash. Sea- seaweed's a good stimulant, but it isn't particularly high in potassium, and which sea- is what uh, helps build up the bulbs.
1: And see it's on the leaf and not in the pot. You want yeah. it in, on the leaf because it's absorbed through the leaf into the bulb for next okay. year. Okay, yeah, that's
0: really okay.
3: important, isn't How it? How many Dave? years have the bulbs been in the in the pots?
0: Um, three or
3: four. Right, so it's probably time to empty the pots. Replant. Um, you know, once the bulbs have died down, empty them, take out the biggest bulbs, and only put those back in the pots because that that compost is probably pretty n- not not a lot of use now. It's pretty dried out, so um, or worn out.
0: Well, I I, I do renew the top inch or so of of compost every year.
3: Yeah, it's the bottom Um, bit that's important. And would you use John Innes, Dave? Yeah, John Innes, and I'd actually add a bit of grit. Bulbs love water, but they love drainage, so
1: it's a bit of a. So, John
3: Innes, number three. Number three, added
1: grit. grit, And that would help Beverly and Canooden, wouldn't it? But it is important to give them some new... Nutri- it's new, fresh soil, isn't it? They yeah, just want they, they run out of puff. Run out of puff. Uh, Jack from Stanford La hope Hello, Jack. Hello, okay, Ken. Good morning, Ken Dave.
6: Morning. Uh, it's just a, a quick question about uh, perimone traps, moth yep. traps on plum trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, both my plum trees are in full bloom and it's, it's just dying off now. And it says on the pack you put them in at the end of May. But uh, yeah. I was wondering whether I should
3: put them in earlier. I don't think it does
1: any harm. Um, you don't yeah. know from year to year; it's it's mm. seasonal. I mean, it's what you're aiming at actually is petal drop, isn't it? Really, yeah. but yeah. petal drop onward, really. I think yeah. you're better off putting them out now, don't you? Dave? I, I would tend to put them out earlier. They last for, for a
3: long time. It's not a you know. They no, just, five so, weeks. They, seem that they, yeah. they say they should
6: last for. So. And you
3: can get refills for them, which are cheaper than buying the whole thing. Oh, um, all right, so it's it's worth it because who likes maggots?
6: Maggots okay, <laughs> when the program finishes, I go and put them in. Put them in. Oh, That's I like oh, Did you to say hear? you was a, a a Dahlia expert, Dave? Oh, he I is, am. Yes. yes. Well, uh, somebody kind person over our allotment association gave me a, a tuber of of the particular colour that I liked. Mm-hmm. Well, normally I leave mine in the garden and cover them over with with compost and yeah. what have you. But this one, he said, we'll put it on the. If you've got a greenhouse, put it on the, tr- on a, the shelf yeah. and leave it. And when it shoots, put it in, cut them yeah. off and put them in. Well, it's it's not shooting yet. I've been tipping water over it to stop it drying what's out. It, what's I've...
1: it laying on? Because you need to lay it on is sand it in, or is compost. It in compost? Oh no! It's just
6: laying on the shelf. Uh, yeah, right. they're not—they're not—they're not that yeah, clever. He hasn't—he
1: hasn't got the full information. <laughs> no. You've been given half the information. All <laughs> oh, right. So, so, if I put them in a, it up uh, into compost.
3: Yeah, put it up into some compost. Dampen the compost, and you leave it
1: sitting uh, just above the surface. Yeah, then. you
3: just where the tubers meet the stem—that's where the eyes of the tuber is. So just keep that slightly proud of the surface, and then you'll find it will probably wake up, plump up, and start to shoot, and then you can just plant it. It well, t- really? or it can take lots of cuttings. yeah, good good. Good you, good job
6: could you could you have phone cause I probably would have lost it then.
3: yeah, they're good, but they do need soil. <laughs>
1: okay, thank you very much. That's <laughs> oh. uh, a pleasure. Uh, yeah. let's uh, don't forget that number to call is oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one, we'll talk to Phyllis and then we'll go to the travel and check out what the roads are like. But Phyllis from Wivenhoe. Yes,
4: hello, good morning. Good morning. Um at the beginning of the year, I ordered some perennials and um, trailing petunias and they all came at the beginning of this week all 173 of them so i put them in those little cardboard pots yeah and they're measuring i've just measured them and they're measuring about two and a half inches uh-huh. when can i put them in the ground or baskets? and do i have to feed them
3: well you hopefully you've used fresh compost so that'll probably see them through pretty much to be implanted out Um, if they show any signs of yellowing you can always
1: give them a little liquid feed where are you keeping all these plants
4: they're all in my spare back bedroom
1: right (laughs) okay
4: near the window so they get the light and i'm spraying them but they're all in deep old baking trays so i make sure that their feet are wet if you know what i mean
1: but not sitting in water no okay Uh, right? it's, you've got two different things to worry about yeah, I mean, mean got the perennials and you've got petunias
3: perennials aren't um, although they are perennial and generally hardy in a normal situation because they're young plants and they'll be indoors um, mm. they'll need hardening off before you can really plant them outside um, otherwise right. they will be affected by the frost the same as the annuals will um, well
4: could I put them I put two or three baskets uh, this morning on the ground mm-hmm. could I put them out and bring them in say, middle afternoon, just in case the weather turns cold. You'll
5: probably
3: find most days you'll be fine just keep an eye on the weather. You know, if we're still getting 8, 10 degrees of an evening, which often we do this time of the year, mm. then yeah. they'll be fine outside. It's only when we get
1: what we've had the last few days and then just bring them in Um oh, right, lovely. Them. So okay. the, the trick Good. is, as Dave is said, just to reiterate to anybody else, it, it's actually... Harden it. what we call hardening oh, no. off, it's slowly introducing them to the outside world. Right, thank you. It's time now for Plant of the Week, and this week is Euonymus gene-hughes. Now, Euonymus is a massive family. About 130 varieties, they came from sort of Asia, and in fact, f- as far across as the Himalayas they came from. Uh, there's even some coming from Korea, originally. Um, Deciduous and evergreen, big, small, some as big as trees, some very tiny. We're going to be looking at Gene Hughes. Now that's an evergreen, it's Euonymus japonica, it's part of the evergreen family. And they come in all sorts of variegations and greens. But I've chosen Gene Hughes because Gene Hughes is a lovely, smallish evergreen. Small leaves, they're opposite each other on the stem, uh, can grow to about one metre high. And, as I said, the leaves are in pairs and the flowers, which are creamy white, perfumed, slightly perfumed, and are around in June and July, and then, of course, it forms a fruit after. But, of course, none of that is of interest, really, because what we're growing it for is a replacement for the box hedging that, of course, suffers with so many problems today, caterpillar, box blight, and all those things. So, come on, use something different. Um, So, it's a great hedging replacement, and as I I would say, You can keep it compact. You plant anywhere between three and five per metre if you're producing a hedge. And it's pretty tolerant. So I would say more tolerant than box. I'm trying to put you off box, aren't I? Well, remember it. When you go to your garden centre, ask for Euonymus gene hughes or something very similar because there are several that are similar to gene hughes. It's just gene hughes seems to be working well for a lot of people. They are plant of the week. And don't forget, a bit later on, we'll be giving you some of those events around the county that you can be going to. We're going to go back to the phones and talk to Beryl from Harlow. Hello, Beryl.
7: Hello, Ken. Thanks for phoning. Um, I've got a lovely camellia. Yeah. Now, Christmas, I had a, one flower came out. I know it was early, <laughs> but it came out beautiful and flat, you know, like they usually do. Mm. All the ones now are just coming out and they're going like a bonnet or a cup. And they're not opening nice and flat. I wonder if there was a reason.
3: It may have been just that they haven't formed as well. Your, your first one was, was lucky. Mm, um, I was if really not
7: looking form... forward. I thought, oh, lovely, if all of them are like that. Is this no, a... they're just sort of barely is... opening and then...
1: Is this the first year you've no, had... No,
7: no, I've had it some years.
1: Oh, so it's always done its trick in the past. and It's not, yes. in, mor- it's not in morning sun, is it?
7: No, no. Right, OK, no. just
1: a couple of checkpoints. Yeah. Yes. I think it's last summer. Yeah,
3: it's just camellias, again, like a lot of fl- spring-flowering plants, form their buds in sort of June, July, depending mm-hmm. on the year of the yeah, previous well, when year. Yeah,
7: that's I'm careful with watering. I know they mustn't dry out and all that, and yeah. i feed it. But, you know, when I saw this first one, I thought, oh, lovely, it's going to be lovely this <laughs> year. And the others have just come out or not coming out, and
3: they're just sort of half open. Nothing It, it is- sounds like they just haven't formed enough pestle. I think the problem is, a year like last year, it doesn't matter how much Water you watered it or looked after it. When you're getting 30, 35 degrees heat, you know, no plant enjoys it, however however kind you are to it. Oh. So it, it does seem to have been, and we guessed it probably would have, start having effects coming through into spring stuff because it's just stress. You know, I, I wouldn't want to stand outside in that, that sun no, all day no, long, and uh, so. no matter how wet my feet were.
1: <laughs> so, and the important thing is, it's you say, June, they reckon June, keep feeding from June, yeah. July, That's right through right. To September. Yeah. Right through to September, do that. As, and okay. that's a reminder for anybody else that's got a camellia. Mm-hmm. Uh, mulch it, isn't it? Yeah. F- yeah, just
3: trying to keep them moist, cool <laughs> and fed. But yeah. sometimes Mother Nature gives us weather that we can't actually uh, control.
7: Okay. Right. okay then.
1: Thank you, Beryl from Harlow and Bob from Walton-on-the-Nays. We're talking about Forsythias with yourself, aren't we, Bob? You are indeed. Um,
8: what it is... I've got a Forsythia, yeah. and I want to find out when to cut, the, cut it back so that I can... Usually those cuttings that I take off, which is the wood, this year's wood, I get then usually put it into the... Just put it straight into the ground, and it grows. When, when, I cut, when am I able to do that? After it's flowered or in the autumn...
3: Yeah, it's, it's probably both, isn't
1: it? You, yeah, you could do both, <laughs> do
3: yeah. actually? I would say, generally, you'd, autumn would, autumn be, would be the time for cuttings. Um, so what? you can just poke them in the ground, somewhere protected, yeah. as you say, and they quite often will root over the course of the winter.
1: But there's a but, mm. isn't there? Yeah. But you
3: could. You could do some in the spring. After flowering. After flowering, and you would always prune them after flowering. So you're going to have some spare bits of uh, yeah. a stem when you prune it hard back. Yeah. Um, and the best pruned hard back, and have a go. You know, you'll probably find you'll get some root in the spring as well.
8: Yeah, because I need. I'm not allowed to put a fence up. You see, so I've got to put something else up.
3: So you've been multiplying your Forsythia.
8: Yes, <laughs> uh, and stopping people using my front of my um, house as a
1: shortcut. All oh, right. <laughs> you you need a Berberus. Yeah. <laughs> you a a poraca- or a paracantha. Poraca- poraca- kept on arguing with me. Uh, did he keep on arguing? <laughs> yeah, with you? yeah, yeah. No, yeah, really For- pieces, it? <laughs> so many people don't cut Forsythia back to, yeah. to induce this new growth that will flower next spring, and I think you're a good reminder of what you should be doing. That's it. All yep. spring flowering. All spring really. flowering.
8: Yep. So once you stop flowering, I can cut it back. Yeah. Stick them in the holes. See so Stick them in, and well, I did it last time, but it was many years ago. Yeah. So. But what you'll find okay. come the
3: autumn, you'll have some sort of semi-mature wood that you can then
1: just trim off and put in the ground as well. OK. Mm, OK, lovely. Thanks very much. Bob from Wharton on the Naze has given us a call on 0800 40, 4041. That's the number to call. Oh eight hundred, triple one forty forty one. Um let's now go to well if we if we could, we'll go to the right place. We'll go to Doreen in fact. Doreen, what are, what are we talking about with yourself? Are we talking lilies, was it? Or
9: Yes. Um, they're rather wonderful. Um I had a, a big um the nearest thing to a black flowering lily, you know, the the really tall ones. They mm-hmm. grow Very tall in a pot. I had it given to me for my birthday last last year.
5: Right.
9: And when they finished blooming and everything, I left them. And then on each sort of leaf notch right down the stem came out these little brown things, which turned out to be seeds.
5: Yeah, that's right.
9: Like little seed pods. Yeah. Well, being me loving seeds and things, trying, I collected them up, and I have now got. Oh, I don't know, over seventy or something. <laughs> <laughs> Lily plants, but they've gone mad since the sun has come out. I've had set them in the trays in the greenhouse, set them in seed trays in the greenhouse, yeah. and they're now between four to six inches tall on a single <laughs> stem. Now, have I let them get got to get too tall, or will they be alright? Because I want to thinking now I you because I want to plant them into pots to honestly, to, you know, obviously to bring them on yeah. the single. It's a
3: bit like the problem you'll have and it's a bit like daffodils. You can take seeds off of daffodils but um, lilies aren't as long but with a daff it takes about seven years to get a proper flowering bulb
6: you from You get one for about four or five. It'll be, be quite
3: a few years so you, you'll be better just to keep them in the individual pots and all you're trying to do is really build up a corn in that pot um, so that you can sort of let it go dormant and for it to wake up again next year. So, so feeding is really important. Feeding, is it potash again? Yep, yeah, potash, anything for bulbs, tomatoes. Really potash, tomato food. Um, but keep them in pots, don't need to really over pot them, you just need to let them grow, keep them fed, keep them watered, and then let them die down naturally. And just be careful how you then store the bulb in the pot. You don't want that pot to get cooked, you know, and baked out, so put them somewhere where they can just rest and see if you can wake him up again next season. Oh, wonderful.
0: Right, oh, right, wonderful. thank get you black, very much. You probably
3: uh, won't get black li- lilies from that. No. Because, you know, they're hybrids that you're taking
1: seed from, so it would be interesting. You could have a... All right, I'll sort of pick a mix, come from those. Now, we've had a couple of sort of coming back to what we were talking about earlier, and I don't know whether Pat, it wasn't Pat that we spoke to a, about pheromone traps, was it? No. no. Uh, Pat says, I bought this for my plum tree, and it says to use at the end of the train, my tree is blue. We said that really, in theory, yes, may is correct. However, plants haven't got calendars. No, nor And are they the can't bugs. tell the time, <laughs> and neither are the bugs. So we suggested that you should start to put them on after the flowers drop. Yeah. Yeah? So I hope that helps you, Pat. That came in on an email at ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. And I'm going to go back to Wilma and then go to John. Don't forget, I, have, I haven't forgotten you, John, in Holbridge, but I want to go back to Wilma because you're, you had a question again about Forsythia. Is that right, Wilma? Yes, I did.
10: Slightly different, though, Ken. Uh-huh. Um, last year, it's necessary for me to move and replant um, a fairly young Forsythia, Linwood, it was called. Mm -hmm. It had flowered uh, for the first time and I pruned the new shoots back by half. It did survive the move, but this year the new shoots are more than six foot tall but haven't flowered. (laughs) Lovely fresh green leaves on them. Don't know whether to prune them back. Just want to get flowers for next year.
3: Yeah, it's just where it's been moved. It's had a growth spurt, and quite often that mm. new sepi wood doesn't then produce flower buds okay. um, as you as you normally get. So I would certainly just just take those back again at the time. You know, keep an eye out when the cipher uh, is finishing, which is fairly soon because I think they're starting to
1: drop during off. this, during end of this month maybe. Yeah,
3: and just tidy it up to so just reduce those down, and that just ripen the wood, and you'll probably find that those stems will then produce flower buds. You know, the following year, it's just getting it back into a a normal yeah, cycle I, and steady growth.
10: Yeah, I gave it a shock, I suppose.
3: A shock and then some good stuff by the sounds of it for it to, to <laughs> romp away like that. so. Uh, okay.
10: And to cut, cut it back these big, tall stems by half, that would be about right? I
3: certainly would start at that point. You don't want yeah. long, whippy stems on full no. side And no, see no. where it shoots out from there.
10: Okay. Okay. Yes, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Uh,
1: that's back to Forsythias, where we jump about all over the place here. But um, don't forget that number to call is 0800 114041. We've got messages on 8133. Start the message with the word Essex and we can deal with those. Uh, let's now go to John in Hullbridge. Hello, John. Hello, Ken and Dave. Uh, just a couple of questions about daffodils, if you yes. would
5: mind, please. What you done to yeah. them? <laughs> In, if you cut the butt of the flowers
8: off of daffodils it's any truth that they don't come back the next year
1: just, Now are we just talking about the flower,
8: yeah, just, the, the,
1: flower the flower and the flower stem. stem or what?
8: yeah the flower and the flower stem to put into water you know like oh, oh, oh I see
3: what you mean in an ideal world if, if you're looking to to be, choose a bowl for next year you just remove the flower when it finishes. But it depends on why you're growing the bulbs in the first place. If you're growing them four cut flowers, then yeah. you cut them. The The important bit is the leaves. When you cut them, don't cut a bunch of leaves to go in the vase to make them look pretty. Because uh, you are removing next year's food source. Yeah, um, what
8: happened, uh, Dave, what happened a little while ago, I've cut the leaves off the ones I've got. And uh, this was last year. Mm. And they've just come up, just just leaves.
3: Yeah. So it's, it's if you, only, you can cut the flowers, I mean, when you're showing the daffs, it's a very hard job to show a daffodil without cutting it and taking it off to the show. Um, but right. we do leave, we leave as much of the leaf there and we try to keep them physically growing as mm. leaves without the flower for as long as possible because that will help yeah. build up the bulb. Plenty, I mean, it's, uh, now's a good time, actually. Um, you can get sulphate of potash, which is just a straight white powder um, yeah. And if you scatter that around on the on the top of the soil about now, and give them a drink, that will really help build up the bulbs for next year. And you should get flowers, even the ones that haven't flowered this year. If they're looked after, then they should flower again next.
8: Yeah, what is that? Potash?
3: Sulfate of potash. You can buy Sulfate it. It's of just, potash. Normally have got a picture of an apple on the front because it's used for fruit ripening as well. I always,
1: remember, um, yeah, I always remember John Negus, who I used to work with on doing question times around the country at different gardening shows. And John Negus used to call it sunshine in a bag because... <laughs> I know what he means, yeah. because it actually produces flour, it produces fruit. Yes, and, and so it, it ripens, and it enlarges. Yes, yeah. and I thought it was a lovely description I've never forgotten. You no. know, used to wait for a question about fruit and flour, and you think, hang on, John's going to say <laughs> sunshine, sunshine in, in the back." <laughs> Great character, John Nagus, who's, who still answers questions on the enamaged Gardening. Oh, right. Yeah, so they are. Back to your gardening question in a moment, but right now on the BBC 6 Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on within the garden this week. Dave, what you got for us? Well, the sun is, uh, the sun is, is shining. shining
3: and the days are getting longer. The clocks have moved forward um, and the houseplants and things like that will be starting to wake up. So it's a good chance to, to start increasing the watering now. We've probably kept them a bit dry over the winter, um, just keeping them ticking along. So start lifting the uh, water levels now in those. And then also, it's a good opportunity to pot them up into fresh pots, bigger pots, um, and and tidy them up
1: as well before the uh, spring
3: and summer growth ahead.
1: (laughs) It'll soon be here. (laughs) What's your your next one for us, uh, Dave? Well, uh,
3: bamboos, they can get a bit out of control. They can indeed. um, So sometimes we want to divide them and lift them. Um, One, to have more plants, should we want to. But often it's just to reduce the clumps so that we haven't got them taken over an area or the garden. Mm, very so important. this time of year, we can get them dug up. It's quite a task. quite often need a, a an old wood saw or something like that as well if you want to divide them. And you can just divide the clumps and replant into the same spot just to really freshen them up and stop them getting out of hand. Tail. that's a
1: good tip and something you should be getting on with. Thank you very much indeed, Dave.
0: The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.
1: a few texts. Let's uh, deal with some of those texts. Uh, I've been given a Magnolia Liliflora Spectrum. Mm -hmm. Is it one, a spectrum I don't personally know? Is it one that you know? Bigger growing. It's a tall one, yep. I'll be planting it soon. I've got one long five foot tall stem and a few thin shorter ones near the base. Can I prune back the long leading stem after planting um, to about three foot to encourage a bushier shrub? Linda has asked in that. I would say yes, myself. Yeah, it's
3: no harm. You're not going to get any flower buds on it this year. Obviously, it's it's either done it or not going to. So yeah, tidied up. Quite often, I've seen them grown more tree shapes. So people would leave them leaders and actually train them into a a a standard shape. But bush is what you want did
1: present. you did you find out i mean being a garden setter man as you are uh mm. did you find that um because there was a, a big feature on gardeners world about magnolias did it actually encourage people to buy more magnolias do you feel it sometimes. was on a couple was it a couple of weeks yeah. ago wasn't it, it who, i'm trying some... to think who went to look at magnolias <laughs> was it joe or something or not no yeah I we do know. get a bit of a sp- spin i think the problem we do get sometimes is It's recommendations
3: of things that don't actually... Oh, certain varieties. Certain varieties. You can't get. You can't get them. And and things like leaf mould people come in to buy bags of leaf mould. Well... It doesn't you can't, exist. You cannot buy leaf mould. But...
1: No, I don't know where, I don't know where uh, gardener's, I don't know where old um, Monty gets all these I mean, leaf mould. He makes his own, but <laughs> you tell someone you, you make your own for 12 months, you
3: might, 12 plus months, you might have some, they don't want to bother. So. They don't want to bother <laughs> at all.
1: So, okay, so that's sorted out. That was Linda, and we'll be coming to Janet and Maureen. <sighs> And 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 Jerry, in just a little while, but we go back to the phones. Don't forget that number, oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one Peter in Stamford, La Hope. Peter.
8: Oh, good morning, Dave. Good morning, Ken. Mm. Um I've I've got a Japanese maple that um is in need of repotting. It's about three years old and it's in a sixteen inch pot at the moment on the patio. Um I did intend to, to repot it now, but it's it's come out into leaf, quite a lot of leaf. Would to mm. do it any harm
2: if I was to repot it now? <laughs>
3: I, I would probably do it um, and just be generally don't disturb the root ball too much. That's really important, isn't it? Yeah, Um, because I think the it's winds that you could disturb it a bit, but having a plant that is probably going to go through good growth in another year, you know, in a pot that's probably a bit small for it, it, that could be more detrimental than anything you do in potting. So, prepare your pot, get the levels right, get it ready to go in, and just ease it out so sort of, don't start tickling the roots around and messing about with it get it in the, back in your new pot and plenty of water when you first uh, pot it up and I would use a, a, a John Innes ericaceous compost I um, okay. don't desperately need it but they seem to enjoy it uh, the ericaceous yeah. part but the John Innes, so you've got a nice soil based compost which should help it from drying out and give you a bit of weight so it doesn't blow over so much
8: Okay then. And uh, should I mix in some slow-release fertilizer with the new compost, or will it have I
1: Just put it on the our... top. Couldn't yeah, you?
3: just on the top probably, because the, the, top. the new compost will have fertilizer in it for about four to six weeks anyway. Um, so a bit of slow release to go with it won't hurt. Okay.
11: OK, All right, I'll, uh, I'll crack on with that then. Thanks very much.
1: After, after the programme, of course, yes, Peter. Sir. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. On the other hand, he could listen to the BBC Sounds app and take it with him Is on it, his tablet or his phone. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, a, an email. Emails come in. And don't forget, it's a reminder that we are now on the podcast giving out all information on gardening events across the county, gardens that are open, all that sort of thing, societies, clubs, but we need them two weeks in advance. You send them along to this email address that people are writing to right now. Ken.Crowther at BBC.co.uk. Kay has sent us an email and she says, um, given a blue mophead hydrangea for Mother's Day. Six blooms on it, seven inches tall. Is it safe to plant it outside in the garden now? No. <laughs> it isn't, is it? Now, no. it's interesting because... I've got another one here that says, Dear Ken, I had a hydrangea for the mother's day. The leaves are falling off and the blooms are shriveling. What should I do? It came from a prize-winning garden centre, and that's from Sue Thrower. <laughs> so we've got two on this, and I think I think it's hard for the average person to understand what those hydrangeas have been done. They, yeah. They're an indoor plant, aren't they? They're, they're They've a house been plant.
3: grown as a house plant. They've gone through... Quite a lot of stressful stuff in the sense to, to get them they're pushed to flower. on, haven't they? They've been chilled and then pushed on to get through. So it's it's quite easy to, to just, yes, they're a hydrangea, yes, they're normally tough and hardy, but not when they're out of their natural season.
1: So the answer is this one, let's go back to Kay that's on yeah. the email there. K's one, if she sits tight, just hold
3: tight a little bit May until it's, time, you can put it out. Yeah, plant it out and it'll go through a season and naturally. Um, sort itself out and get into a normal flowering pattern. Right. Um,
1: the one that's... Yeah, then we've got a Sue. She's got the one with the falling off leaves, Yeah.
3: too wet, too dry? It could be too wet, too dry, too hot. Cause, and you know,
1: shriveling leaves is, can be wet or yeah, dry. <laughs> that's
3: it. They've been grown as a houseplant, but they aren't really a houseplant. So sometimes when you change their environment or put them in a, a house environment, um, they don't enjoy it. So it's really... They're a great thing for what they cost and what they are as a gift, they're a nice, long-lasting bunch of flowers. And if you've got a plant out of it at the end of it, then that's a, a better deal than a bunch of flowers. But I think
1: people forget that it is. Uh, you know, house plants are a bunch of flowers that with an extended life. Yes. Yeah? yeah. And sometimes work out less expensive. That's it. Not that I'm putting down cut flowers, because cut flowers give a lot of pleasure. So, Alan from... Thundersley, yes, Alan. You've got a pest that's attacking your tulips. Is that right, Alan? Well, I I don't really know what's happened. I've got
11: two red tulips, one either side of the garden, and uh, when I looked out in the garden this morning, I I saw something red on the lawn, and uh, I walked down to have a look, and it was uh, the top of just the flower head of the tulip, and it looked like it's just been cut with a knife, and it's just—and this the second time, but it's only the red ones. And I just wonder, is there something that likes red tulips?
3: <laughs> um Most ladies generally, they like a nice bunch of red tulips this time of year. But um <laughs> I don't know what that could be. That no, could I know, is it like a because it can't be...
1: aphids on, do bluebirds? No, it's, no, not, it's
3: not, no to... not to sever a stem. I mean, a that bird
1: would... wouldn't even sever a stem, no, would it?
3: I mean, sometimes I've see, seen the pigeons have a gut buds and things like
1: that, but if a full flower... Is this a full, open flower you're describing, oh, Alan? Yeah, it's open,
11: yeah, full, yeah. open flower. I and mean, it closes up at night, and then, it obviously, well, you know what tulips are like. yeah.
3: Um But, yeah, it's just... For it to be severed, I'd say it could be something like a fox or something like that of a night that's just gone, oh, what's this, and... Got a bit inquisitive. All oh, right,
5: yeah, we
11: get foxes in the garden. Ah, yeah. yeah,
3: that is more likely. It's red and it's large. What's it taste like? What's it? What's it do if I bite it here? <laughs> you know, they oh, are right. quite inquisitive, um, and once it works out, it don't taste very nice, and it just comes off. We've probably been bothered with the rest of them. But I
1: can't think of anything else no. that would sever it. No. And no. got, unless you've got someone up the road that doesn't like red tulips.
5: <laughs> but they'd, no, they'd no. have... Or they'd, they'd have cut, done a the lot. <laughs> they'd have <laughs> taken them
1: with a long stem and taken the bunch home to mum, you see, so... <laughs> All right.
11: Um, just, I know you've answered this question loads of times before, but when is the best time to prune a cherry tree?
3: It,
6: half...
3: half was, who said Someone some knows the answer there.
1: What um, did the, what, what'd the other half say? Oh,
5: hang on! I'll
1: pass oh, it's you in over. full
12: bloom now. It's Don't in full bloom at the moment. It's it must be fully grown, I think, because it is quite tall. And we wanted to take the top third off and kind of. Just make it a better shape. Right. But I don't know when is the right time.
1: Okay, well
3: it's not, now. It. not it's now. Not not now. <laughs> <laughs> I um, that, but <laughs> so uh, it's really oh. June July. Yeah, July it's a, really. After fruiting. Think yeah. of it as after fruiting. Even if it's an ornamental when the when the cherries yeah, it's, are fruiting. The cherries are
12: bitter when they when yeah, you're dying. it's probably an
3: ornamental yeah. one, but um, so really July time, then you can give it a prune up, tidy up. You don't anything with a stone you prune in the summer. Okay. All right. Okay. Lovely. Even if it's
1: the ornamental form of it. Uh,
12: Yeah, I'm sure it is. We didn't even plant it. I think the squirrel did us a favour. Oh, they
1: do. They do a lot of that. A lot of that. (laughs) Alan, and uh, what, what? Who are you? Sorry, your name is. Liz, I'm Alan's wife. Right, Liz. Liz and Alan. Thank you very much for your call. you got two answers to two answers. Well, I don't know. We didn't give Alan much of an answer, <laughs> did we? <laughs> anyway, it's so
12: weird with the tulips because it's just as if someone's cut it off with a razor. But we That's do incredible foxes in the garden. Does so
1: sound like them, doesn't it? it naughty. Those naughty foxes. You'd be <laughs> yeah. amazed what they play. I know I've got a garden somewhere that um, they play with the tennis balls on the lawn. Yeah,
12: and you actually, we had, s- our dogs, we had boxes, and I used to. Put water out, and
5: yeah. we watched
3: him run up.
1: Watched the fox run up the garden with the um, with the water bowl. Wasn't <laughs> they're <laughs> incredible, aren't they? I've known yeah. them to take your welly boot
3: or your yeah. shoe or whatever off.
1: <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, Liz and Alan, thank for you. your call. Thank you. That's Liz and Alan. They've given us a call on our eight hundred triple one forty forty one. That's the number to call. Um, let's um Daphne, perfume princess. Yes. Um. Daphnes have become again a very popular, trendy sort of plant. Unfortunately, they have
3: yes. And <laughs> they now are I, I'm going to say I'm going to
1: say why Dave says that, and it's really important what you're saying there, Dave, because daphnes are not only difficult to propagate. Yeah, they're difficult to grow. Yeah, and they're difficult to plant out and successfully get them in your garden to grow, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're a real problem and. And when you see a lovely
3: Daphne in full oh. blue, that's you go out and buy another one. Yeah, you, you go know, out and buy one, one would But they're probably you know twenty pounds for that. Yeah, they're dear, a, aren't they? For a small plant, that won't be a, a proper three litre sized shrub. They they are dear, and understandably because of the waste when the nurseries are trying to grow them. And they are young, young plants, and they're,
1: they're tiny. They're when a, a finicky
3: they? little thing to uh, get going. But the perfume princess is, seems to be a a fairly modern variety that's that's generally out there now and that's coming around.
1: Now Janet's going to put it in a pot, in a container. They grow quite well in containers yeah. and what she's saying is, does it need ericaceous compost?
3: Not really. Not nice, necessarily. Nice free-draining compost and what they really don't like is laying wet in the winter, so maybe if we just pull that pot up towards the Side of a house or something like that.
1: So, would you use a John
3: Innes? Yeah. And add grit, mm-hmm. add to be a, add a bit add grit. A bit of grit and plenty of crocs in the bottom, but they are a little fussy thing. And the amount of times we, we, you know, we struggle to get them, and when we get them, they're very dear, and then they don't always survive very long.
1: Oh eight hundred, triple one forty forty one but I'm just going through a few I've got some emails as well. I've got a daily question I see popped up as well. We'll do that one in a minute for our daily man Dave Gillen. If you've got a daily question, just like that was an interesting one. I always remember um Jack Kins used to line his <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. dailies up on sand. Yeah. And he'd take hundreds of cuttings yeah. from because they just pop up don't they I've, I've got the um
3: probably about 800 cuttings rooting in the greenhouse at the moment and
1: they root very very easily they can
3: they? do get the conditions right yeah um, bit of bottom heat bottom heat the problem i have it's only a six by eight greenhouse oh small yeah so get that many in there and the sun comes out and the heats up very quickly and you can then get what we call black leg where the, the compost gets a bit too hot and not enough air but
1: We live and learn. (laughs) Of course. Um, Right, let's go on to another... uh, Yeah. Uh, Right. Every year the leaves on my Fertinia drop at this time of the year. Others seem to have glossy red leaves now. Plenty of blossom, but is it under stress? It's interesting. So she's getting plenty of blossom... Dropping leaves, which yeah. they will at this time of year. Yeah. Evergreens start to drop about now, don't they, Dave?
3: Yeah, and I think the flowering is the key to why it's dropping. Um, stress. Stress, and it's obviously not getting regularly pruned or trimmed. Because, yeah. you know, for, to me, if a fitinia flowers, you're not trimming it enough. Um, because it, it normally flowers on last year's new growth, really, or at the end of the season. So I would get out there even now, give them a good trim up, good feed. And maybe go again end of July. Give them another trim, and then you'll find that the the foliage is all of different ages. Otherwise, when they come into new growth, certainly this time of year, all the leaves are old, and they tend to shed them all before the new ones, or as the new ones come through. So
1: they are, and it's don't it, let it flower. Don't <laughs> let it flower. Prune it, feed it, look after it as if it's your baby. Yes. Is that right? Well, they are, are they? Plants. That's it. They're like children. They need lots of food and lots of. Uh, looking after. And a bit of discipline with some secretaries now and again. Very much so. <laughs> Very important indeed. <laughs> we now come to events around the county. Now, we're going to start with the National Garden Scheme. And on the weekend of the 13th, 14th of April, visitors have a rare chance to see three large country gardens in the beautiful north East Essex village of Ardley. I'll give you a postcode a bit later on. But first up is the Mayfield Farm. Mayfield Farm, again, that's on Saturday and Sunday the 13th and 14th, 11 till 4, admission £6 and that gets you into all the gardens. Homemade teas at Mayfield Farm and it's a three acre garden uh, which only a few years ago just had a huge glass house on it and polytunnels. It's planted up and it's got over 200,000 bulbs being planted so well worth a look at. The second one is Charity Farm, a four-acre garden, created again from an open and empty site in 2001. That's got woodland walks to avenues of trees with great vistas, well worth going to have. Oh, it's got a lake as well, have a look at that. Hunger Downs is the third, a formal one-and-a-half-acre garden laid out around the house with box hedges, pond, orchard and excellent utopia, which is a very significant feature. How do you get to see all those three? With one price, the C3 Gardens, you go along to C077LZ. C077LZ. And they're Ardley Gardens. Coming on from that, we've got Loxley House, which is at 49 Robin Hood Road, Brentwood. Postcode at the end. Admission £4 pound to that, Saturday the 13th, 11.30 till 3.30. Homemade teas, very important indeed. Colourful patio, loads of pots and containers, but it is a town garden. So it's an interesting one, and it's got steps up to a circular lawn, hedges, herbaceous borders, and a couple of water features. The postcode for that is CM159EL. Why not go along to Jericho Cottage? And that's in Blackmore, Ingatston, on the green. Postcode again at the end. It's Tuesday the 16th of April now, for those people who are off in the week, go along to that, 1.30 till 5. Admission, three pound childs, children are free. Homemade teas again, small walled wildlife garden, woodland garden, mature trees, shrubs, bamboos, palms, ponds, what more do you want? The garden is an untamed hidden oasis. got an antique shop, tea shop, and a gentle paved path leading to a pergola and patio. Where there's access to the garden through a beautiful wr- wrought iron gate. CM4O oh, Alpha Roger Alpha Roger. They are. So that's the events around the county. Send your events along to me. Two weeks in advance to Ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. I've got a sycamore tree. Aren't they lucky? <laughs> and aren't you lucky having <laughs> a sycamore tree? We must have a big garden. No, it's on the green near the <laughs> near her garden. <clears throat> She's removed millions of Still coming through the lawn, will mowing the lawn get rid of them? That's the first question. They will, no, like it them.
3: does, yeah, yeah. You just cut them and they, they run out of puff,
1: they do. But it is a good year for sycamore, I've <laughs> noticed um, elsewhere that they're, they're growing like carpets, aren't they? Yeah,
3: yeah. I think the the, the hot summer actually helped ripen the seeds off and they're, they're all germinated.
1: Yeah, uh, just going back to Red Robins because Robbers text us and he says, he said, um, was that right? Red Robin, Dave said, still okay to trim and do again in midsummer. Yeah. Now, I know why he's questioning that, because most people are looking bright red, which is what the caller said, didn't you? Yes. It you yeah, know that the, was the new growth will that be coming was what through. The question was, wasn't it?
3: But if we don't trim them and, and get that new low, certainly the new lower growth, you see a lot of fitinias out there that are probably half bare and all the growth is only on the outside or the, the last tip. So if you if your fitinia looks like it's gonna flower and is shedding a load of leaves and looking like it's it's going to be bare prune it prune it now and then once if you do it again about July August time um, not too late because you don't want the new growth coming too late you'll get another flush of foliage and that will still keep its leaves in the spring when the new lot comes so it's about so
1: you're getting it into a habit really yes, isn't it yeah
3: yeah because evergreens are evergreen but their leaves really only last 12 to 18 months and they tend to shed the old leaves when the new come. So if you can get a stagger in that, then you won't get the bareness um, when they come through.
1: Okay. Uh, So hopefully that's helped you, Rob, with that question. Um, We've done the sycamore. I had a fig tree cut down about four years ago and ever since (laughs) taken over the garden by shooting long stems everywhere. They're lovely shiny green leaves, but it's (laughs) killed off all my other plants. How do I get rid of it? And that's Jerry in Wivenhoe. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> just cut it down and put a bit of wee killer on the top. SBK or... will be the best on yeah, the stems on the possibly. Stem.
1: So cut the stem off and then just paint SBK. Paint the cut. Paint the cut. Yeah. That would be the best way. Or dig them out. Yeah. <laughs> you could dig well is it if it's a really big one. They yeah. do send shoots under the ground, don't yeah. they? I mean figs are quite vigorous, aren't they? Which is why you always container them, don't you, before you plant them. Yeah. So yeah. you actually restrict them and they actually fruit they better. They do
3: sucker. You, it's trying to remove them this time of year. They start suckering. And if you can remove them
1: early on, um, certainly off the lower stem. Okay. So don't forget, That's uh, the number to call is 0800 1 40 41. That's 0800 1 40 41. Um, that's the number to call. And... Um, I'm just looking. Another one. My wife asked me to ask you: Is there any way we can prolong the life of crocuses and snowdrops? So what? what, what do,
5: you flowering mean by, wires do you think
1: it's flower or do you think it's the life of? Well, sometimes
3: crocuses will sort of run out of puff again. And it does. They revert back to where we were with with the daffodils. Um, you know, putting some feed down. It's a little bit harder with crocuses in the lawn because. You know, you start feeding the grass, the grass grows really quickly and it smothers over the bulbs. But um, plenty of water um, to keep the bulbs going. And if you can, use a bit of, if it's on the lawn, I'd probably say use a bit of bone meal, bloodfish and bone, rather than sulphate of potash might scorch it if you put it straight onto grass. Yeah. Um, But as long as prolonging flower time, No. No, all you can do is... You're not going to do anything with it, are you? It's temperature. You
1: know, the, the hotter it is over the period, the, the shorter they will last. OK. Now, um, where did I... I thought I had a, a daily question, but I seem to have lost the daily question <laughs> completely. Where's my daily question? I, I thought we'd better do a daily question because you're here. Um, hi, Ken and Dave. If it's your week... Well, it is Dave's week. Mainly for easiness age catching up he says we left a few dahlias in the ground mulch covered with pot as we are now in April could we uncover when do we start <clears throat> our dahlia tubers off which have been stored obviously we don't mean in the ground just in a bag or a pot and that's Maureen from Braintree so let's just go through that because yeah. people will, st- can you, st- you still buy dahlia tubers yeah, at this time of about, year
3: and, and it's getting, you know now, if you're going to do it, now. I would say do it now get on with it, because um, they're going to take two or three weeks to to wake up, um, which is perfect. You can then grow them on a little bit in the pot by which time you're mid-end of May at least before you plant them out. Um, so I would wake them up now, Yeah, if you've got them sitting in the shed or dormant ready to wake up, set them into a bit of compost seal, greenhouse, anywhere warmer than the average um, and let them wake up. Then you can divide them, It's it's by the time new tubers wake up you might struggle to take cuttings that will get going this year Um, you need the cutting material there now but the ones in the ground I wouldn't uncover them yet because you know if they are shooting you're going to expose any shoots and then if we get a a cold one and we've had a couple this this week gone that have just caught a few tender bits Um, so I'll just perhaps have a look peel it back see if they're growing because you might need to add more mulch or an upside down bucket on cold nights or a bit of fleece to protect any new shoots that are coming, but I wouldn't expect to see too much growth quite
1: yet. So, they don't forget that uh, you can uh, get good daily information from our <laughs> daily man here. That's Dave Gillum. You can give us a call on 0800 triple 40 41. I'll go back now with... As I said daily is no, I think people's eagerness. I went past um, a place selling plants the other day, and in in fact, uh, I won't mention, but it was a it was a garden center and i uh, it always and I'm sure you're the same that you know we're selling bedding plants mm. that actually aren't hardy, and it's it's very clever you know a da- a garden center I know the answer uh, you know is that if you don't sell them, someone else will, yeah. but you put you know not frost hardy. But the average person doesn't even understand what frost hardy e- no. even means. And no. you see things like French marigold and all sorts of We've really soft. Of blo- this week. <laughs> We've got the
3: first of those in this week. What? We've got the first of those in this week. And I've
1: seen them for a couple of weeks yeah. in places. And I don't think people realise that, you know, it is a problem, isn't it?
3: It is. And I mean, we use protect from frost terminology in gardening is. I mean, it doesn't mean anything to me, means- does it? loads to us because we know Yeah, it doesn't always mean you know what does really herbaceous perennial mean to anyone if you don't know which what we it just is, had a herbaceous perennial yeah.
1: and then petunia which are two different things yeah. completely so it is
3: hard but we, you, you say protect from frost the problem is there are some people out there that, that are gardeners that want to buy their basket plants and bits like that early and they make up the baskets and keep me in a greenhouse to grow on early. And put fleece over yeah. when it's cold. That's it. And we've got the first of the tomato plants in this week. I know, tomatoes. You if think... you've got a greenhouse and you want to grow yeah. them, that's fine. But it's trying to differentiate yeah. someone saying, I'm going to grow tomatoes and there's a plant, so I'm going to plant yeah. it outside. Where I
1: was, which will be nameless, it was quite <laughs> interesting. Because I said, wow, oh, look, you've sold loads of tomato plants. Because they're all empty spaces, you yeah. see. And He said, "Well, hopefully some people will be putting them in their greenhouses. He said "I said, "Come on, you know <laughs> that a lot of people will be putting them outdoors and expecting them to grow yeah. He said, "Oh, but they'll die and come back next week and buy more. Well, that isn't actually what gardening should be no, about, is no, it We, no. we should we've be got encouraging got very people clear,
3: protect from frost on, on all of that, and try to talk to people, but unfortunately
1: there's not enough of you to go around, no, is it
3: no, but it's hard you need to provide for those that that like the early tomatoes that have got the greenhouses that really want to get going on it um, but the danger is yes yeah, you know, you, some people that aren't as experienced might sort of fall foul to thinking it's time to plant them out and it is not, not. Well, we haven't got any cucumbers in yet we refuse You refuse sure? to do that
1: <laughs> Um, and French marigold must be one of the softest, isn't it? Is French marigold? We've well, we got the
3: first sort of the begonias. Oh goodness sake! Uh, yeah, they're they, basket begonias. Yes. but of course
1: begonias again must be soft. They're softer than French marigold. Yeah. But I mean, a French marigold will go black slightest yeah, bit of that frost. That happened
3: on um, Wednesday night. <laughs> Wednesday night, <that laughs> we was. forgot to cover them up. Ah. And, uh, we had the nice last few black black boxes of uh,
1: marigolds. So. Right, I'm back to the emails, and don't forget that we want to know your events around the county to put on our podcast. So this is the address, just as uh, Marina from Chompsford has sent us one. Uh, Well, it's not an event, she's got a question, but it's ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. And Marina wants to know, she says, I planted a jasmine climber in the ground last autumn. It now looks poorly. Leaves have turned yellowy brown looks as if it's dying giving it plenty of water mm, but still doesn't look healthy there is some top growth but i'm afraid i'm going to lose it what can i do well of course they're not growing much early yeah. spring so in fact water that isn't the art people think oh quick plant needs water yeah. it's not always um, the answer is it no and it depends which
3: jasmine it well, is back to terminology <laughs> you
1: see and understanding plants yeah. which isn't always that easy no, is it it's only experience
3: but. Um, see what happens that's all you can do if it's showing top growth it may do Um, and if it is growing you could always give it a prune and encourage some lower growth
1: so if you've got several branches at the bottom it will be worth when you see top growth cut one or two of them just to get some growth from low down but just I would sit back let the
3: season start see what it is doing and that it is on the way up rather than on the way down
1: and again, um, jasmines are another one that you've got soft varieties that are pretty well indoor yeah. plants yeah. and then you've got outdoor varieties which are a little hardier, and again, but they're some, not fully hardier. No, and
3: some of the evergreen, the, the, well it's not jasmine, but the tractospurnum, which we do call jasmine, will be losing leaves again this time of the year if it's in the evergreen and it's had uh, some old leaves. So, Without knowing exactly which one it is, it's a little bit hard to advise, but I would just sit back and watch.
1: Well, when we were talking about Daphnes, you see, Mark sent in, and I'll read it. It doesn't say where he got them from, so I can read that. We bought two Daphnes, Perfume Princess, one of the front and one for the back. Both were about twelve ninety nine. That's actually Cheap. very reasonable. <laughs> yeah. They're 13 inches high, which makes them very reasonable. Yeah. Both are on well-drained, gorgeous soil with compost. The lot, and they're all doing... Really well so far. They both have loads of shoots as well, so we're keeping our fingers crossed. Neither have full sun, but a nice sheltered spot. They don't like they like some sun, but they don't want full sun, yeah,
3: do they? Yeah, they, they're, they're like a really tricky partner sometimes. <laughs> they're, like, they're like a little bit of everything and not too much of the sun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like it. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 triple 4041 and be part of the programme. Every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. Yes, it's gardening. <laughs>